0: Tell me who hath believed, hath believed, our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord.
1: Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church here in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. It was 1974. Doyle Davidson, the president of this ministry, had obeyed the call from the Lord to lay down his practice, his hospital, and follow God four years previous. Now he is in Argyle, Texas, reading the Word, praying, and being led by the Spirit. He went to a well-known minister's convention one evening, and while sitting in the audience, the Lord spoke to him. If you will give $50 in the offering... I will send you to Israel. That was pretty near all the money that Dole had, but he put the fifty dollars into the offering. It was just two or three weeks later that Dole received a phone call inviting him to join a tour of Israel in June with a group he was well acquainted with. Dole knew that this was the answer to what God had promised weeks earlier, so he accepted the invitation and gave them the initial deposit and waited for further instructions. But when the time came to pay the final payment of the remainder of the balance, Doyle did not have it. The tour director called him. Doyle, are you going to Israel? Doyle answered yes. Do you have the money for the trip? Doyle answered without hesitation, I do not. Well, said the tour director, then I will give your seat to someone else. And he went ahead and put a gentleman in his place. But lo and behold, the tour director called Doyle the next morning. Are you going to Israel? Doyle replied again, yes. The tour director asked again, do you have the money? Doyle stayed steady and replied again, no, I do not. Well, said the director, the gentleman that I put in your place last night died. I'll put somebody else in your place. And he did. But again, the next morning. Doyle received another phone call from the tour director. Doyle, are you going to Israel? Yes, again was Doyle's reply. Do you have the money? The answer was still the same, no. Well, said the tour director, the family I put in your place last night had emergency surgery. You know, I don't think I'm going to replace you. And Doyle thought to himself, That might be a good idea. See, Doyle knew God told him if he would give the $50, God would send him to Israel. And Doyle knew God keeps his word. That's faith. Sticking to what God says and not wavering even when it doesn't look possible. But remember, with God, nothing is impossible. That same night, Doyle received a phone call from someone he knew. They asked, are you going to Israel? Oh, yes, Doyle replied. Do you have the money? Doyle said no. They believed that they were to give him an amount of money for the trip. Doyle was bold by this time. How much money do you have? They told him. And when Doyle added that to what money he already had, it came to just enough to cover the balance for the trip. And off they went. Now... What was the reason it was so difficult to get to Israel? Why was it such a test of Doyle's faith? I will tell you. While on the trip, on June 17th, while in Jerusalem, on a beautiful Sunday morning, sitting at the garden tomb, where a man from Holland was speaking, the anointing of God came into Doyle's heart for a solid hour and called him into the ministry speaking these words from Acts 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. God confirmed those words just two days later when Doyle was asked to speak for ten minutes at Christ's church in Jerusalem. Doyle asked God, What do I speak? And God answered him, Tell them what I've done for you. So in Jerusalem, Dole shared what God had done in his family out of Joshua 24, verse 15. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And when Dole had completed his speaking, a man came up to him and introduced himself. He was from New Zealand. You know, that's a place a lot of us would consider the uttermost part of the earth. And he spoke, I am a lawyer, and I've heard a lot of lawyers present their cases before judges and juries, but I have never heard anyone speak so clearly, so concise and to the point as you did. Dole simply replied, Thank you. God had confirmed his word, speaking in Jerusalem and the uttermost parts of the earth. And now 40 years later, Dole is still obeying that call into the ministry, preaching the gospel in America, Israel, and the othermost parts of the world. Let's begin with a song here written by Terry Mai and ministered by the Water of Life Sweet 16 God Sacrificed the Lamb. Father, I ask for grace. I ask for grace on me and on this message, that you open our eyes that we can see. You open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you like forgiven? Well, let's take a look at forgiveness today And I want to begin like I have so many other times. I want us to just look at what the Word of God tells us about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because we know the Word of God is truth. We know even though our world would come to an end, the Word of God will go on forever. So we are only going to look at the Word of God. And I'd like us to begin in Isaiah 52, and I'm going to start in verse 14 from Isaiah 52, verse 13, through the chapter of 53, is a depiction of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If you don't believe that, go to Acts 8, and Philip begins speaking to a eunuch from these verses in Isaiah 53. So let's take a look at verse 14, Isaiah 52. As many were astonished at thee, his visage, the visage of Jesus, Jesus's appearance was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. We have at our disposal today technology and the web where we see pictures of things around the world constantly and we see some pretty awful pictures, but we have to believe that the word of God is above everything that we have seen or heard, that it is the truth. And right here, verse 14 states, As many were astonished at thee, astonished. His visage, the appearance of Jesus, was so marred more than any man. His form more than the sons of men. His body marred more than anyone we have ever seen. Any picture, any depiction of Jesus. Jesus does not fully show the depth of how much he was marred. I'd like to go to Isaiah 53, and I'm going to begin in verse 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. Jesus has no form. He has no shape on the cross. I want us to consider this for a minute. He is marred more than any man. His form, his body is marred more than any man. And right here in verse 2, it states that the body of Jesus has no form. It has no shape. Why? If we go to Psalm 22 and look at verse 14, this is also depicting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. 14, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. Do you see why Jesus was marred more than any man? Every bone on that body was out of joint. And here's where this clashes against what we have seen in movies and in books and in depictions in art. The body of Jesus was marred more than any man. Every bone was out of joint. That means where the elbow should have been, the elbow was not. Where the shoulder should have been, the shoulder was not. Where the hips, the legs should have been, they were out of joint, they were not. This body that we consider on the cross. Every bone out of joint was grotesque. This was not a noble picture of a man dying. This was grotesque. This was hideous. The death, the visage of Jesus was grotesque. Jesus was disfigured. Let's continue on in verse 3 of Isaiah 53. He is despised and rejected of men. This is Jesus on the cross. Despised and rejected of men. A man of pain, sorrows, pain, and acquaintance with grief, which is sickness and disease. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Look, he was despised. Nobody wanted to look on him. This was a disfigured, grotesque, looking body it says that it had no form you could not even tell he was a man now why did he look so bad why was that body so grotesque why was it so hideous and why was it so disfigured verse 5 of isaiah 53 tells us but he jesus was wounded For our transgressions. He was bruised. For our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. Was upon him. And with his stripes. We are healed. That body. Took on. The sin of the world. It took on your sin. And it took on my sin. And when we consider that body. We see what sin does. To a human body what it did to Jesus not only was he grotesque to look at but the pain he suffered for us the pain of every bone being out of joint one of my children had her shoulder out of joint and she was in awful pain and I had another child in football game got his finger knocked out of joint and he was in awful pain too Now consider the pain that Jesus suffered with every bone out of joint. Why? Again, he was wounded for our transgressions. This man who God sent to die in our place suffered the cross, the pain of having every bone out of joint, every sorrow, every sickness on his body for us. Consider this. And then that body, when it finished everything it needed to do, Jesus said, it is finished. And with a loud cry, he bowed his head and died. And his soul and his spirit went into hell for you and I to pay for those transgressions, to pay for those sins. And the third day, as Isaiah 53 states, the father saw the travail of his soul He was satisfied, Jesus was raised from the dead. No more sin on him, no more sickness on him, no more death in him, but alive forevermore. Now, let's consider some verses against what that body looked like on the cross, what the soul of Jesus suffered on the cross. I'm going to go to Matthew 18, and this is talking about forgiveness. Verse 21, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? And Jesus say unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. I multiplied that out. That's 490 times. Now, two things to consider here. Number one, Jesus is telling Peter that he should forgive 490 times his brother, at least. Now, do you think that Jesus would require something of Peter that he himself did not do? No. Can you hear me? Do you think that Jesus would require Peter to forgive a brother 490 times and he not do the same? No. Jesus forgives. The Father forgives. And when we mess up and ask forgiveness again, He forgives. And when we mess up and we ask forgiveness again, He forgives. And He forgives. And He forgives. Why? Remember the body. Remember His body and His spirit and His soul on that cross. That's why He can forgive you Over and over and over again because he bore it on his own body and he knows it was paid for. He knows he paid for you. He knows he suffered for you. And he knows that the father was satisfied with his sacrifice. And he knows the father has forgiven. Now, forgiveness is an interesting subject in the Bible because it is the one thing that is twofold. Let's go on in this chapter, Matthew 18, and I'm going to go to verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had and payment to be made. And the servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him all that debt. 28. But the same servant, the one who had just had his whole debt forgiven him, went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. He said the same thing as the one that owed the ten thousand talents. But look what his answer was. Thirty. And he would not. But he went and cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Verse 32. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. To he should pay all that was due unto him. Now look at this next verse. Verse 35. So likewise. Shall my heavenly father. My heavenly father. Do so unto you. This is not just a parable. Now Jesus is speaking directly to us. With a commandment. So likewise shall my heavenly father. Do also unto you. To you and I. If ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Do you hear that? If you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. There is a two-step process to being forgiven and Jesus states it here. The first is we believe what Jesus did for us on the cross. But the second Once our sins are forgiven by the death, burial, and resurrection, we have to forgive anyone that has trespassed against us. Anyone that has sinned against us. Notice in verse 34, what happened to the man that did not forgive? He was delivered unto the tormentors. Do you know sickness is torment? Do you know pain is torment? Do you know poverty is torment? Friends, it is not worth it to not forgive. You have to forgive. You say, but you don't know what he did to me. It doesn't matter. Look at the body of Jesus on the cross. He did that for you. And he also did that for the one that sinned against you. And I remember I had a conversation with somebody that was close to me once. And somebody had really hurt them. And I said, you're going to have to forgive them. With everything in you, you're going to have to forgive them. Because if you don't forgive them, you will be turned over the to tormentors. And that person, God will forgive. And you'll be the one holding the bag. It is not worth it, friends, to not forgive. You have got to forgive. And you know what the wonderful thing is about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus? He will help you to forgive. If you ask him, it says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be opened. If you need to forgive and you need help to forgive, you can call on that name, Jesus, and he will help you. He will grant you the mercy and grace to forgive, to forgive everyone. Along with these verses, I had a situation when I was working as a sign maker in a major grocery store chain that required some forgiveness. Part of my job was to visit the different departments and ask if they needed any signs made for the specials of the week. I always dreaded going to this meat counter when a certain young man worked there because frankly he was always so coarse and rude toward me. He would complain and then sometimes call me some pretty vulgar names. This particular day was no exception. But while I was standing there listening to his tirade, I was reminded of Matthew 5:44, Jesus speaking, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And boy, was he cursing me. So I did just this. As I walked away from him, I began to bless him. Father, bless him. I just bless him. Father, I forgive him. I forgive him. Father, I bless him in Jesus' name. I did this walking all the way back to the stairs, up the stairs to my office, making his signs, going down the stairs, and back to his counter. When I arrived back to his counter, he wasn't there. A woman was working in his place, and I asked her if she knew where this gentleman was. I had his signs. and She looked at me with these big eyes. Kathy, you won't believe this. Just a few minutes ago, some customer came up to the counter and this guy called her a name. She went to get the manager and the manager fired him on the spot and threw him out of the store. That taught me a lesson. When I forgave him and blessed him, that made a way for God to deal with the situation on my behalf. This word means what it says. And it will work if you trust it.
0: And to our God, the God of mercy, and to our God, the God of grace, we give all glory, we give all honor. We come to praise Him in this place. We lift our voice unto the Lord. And sing praises to his name We lift our hands in holy reverence In the presence of our King We dance before the God of grace For he is worthy of all praise This is why we lift our hands And why we sing and why we dance Unto our God The God of mercy Unto our God, the God of grace, we give all glory, we give all honor, we come to praise Him in this place. We lift our voice unto the Lord. And sing praises to His name We lift our hands in holy reverence In In the presence presence of our King We dance before the God of grace For He is worthy of all praise This is why we lift our hands And why we sing and why we dance We dance before the God of grace for He is worthy of all praise This is why we lift our hands And why we sing and why we dance
1: Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the musicians from Water of Life Church She would love to hear from you You may reach her by email at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E at kathydavidsonwol.com That's W-O-L for Water of Life. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, P.O. Box 861327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kathydavidsonwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.